Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is. Back at it, episode 113, and your boy is fired up. Let's roll. Yeah, yeah. And yo, Black, it's time. Word. Word, it's time. It's time, man. Alright, begin. Yeah. Straight out the f***ing dungeons of rap. But fake don't make it back. I don't know how to start. Rappers are monkey flipping with the funky rhythm. I be kicking, musician, inflicting composition of pain. I'm like Scarface sniffing, holding an M16. See, with the pen, I'm extreme. Now, bullet holes left in my peak holes. I'm suited up with street clothes. Hand me a nine and out defeat foes. Y'all know my stilo with or without the airplay. I keep some E and J sitting bent up in the stairway or either on a corner. What is wins. happening, everybody? Episode 113 for the love of the game. And the NBA playoffs are here. We've made it, fam. NBA fans unite. Knicks fans unite. We clinched that four seed, that win against Boston on Sunday. It was uh, not the prettiest. I, I don't enjoy going on five-minute droughts. I don't enjoy squandering 17-point uh, leads in the fourth quarter. But they held on. A win is a win. Bring on Atlanta this coming Sunday night, game one. 7 p.m. from MSG. That's right. The Knicks are hosting a playoff game and have home court advantage in the first round. Unbelievable. Uh, we're going to talk all about the Knicks and their first round series with a very special guest coming up. But just a couple of quick things on the NBA as uh, we get started. So right now we are in play-in game mode. We just had the, uh, the first two rounds of play-in games. Jason Tatum put up a 50-burger against Washington. So Boston is currently the seventh seed and will be playing the Nets in the first round. I anticipate the Nets taking care of business there. So tonight we've got Washington and Indiana. Indiana put a beat down on Charlotte, so Charlotte is eliminated. Indiana and Washington tonight to see who's the eighth seed. I anticipate, I actually think Indiana is going to win the game tonight because I don't think Beal and Westbrook are, are both 100%, so who knows? Uh, but that should be exciting. And then tomorrow night, we have the Golden State Warriors against Memphis. This is the eighth seed after Golden State and the Lakers put on a show last night, which was an entertaining game. Lakers prevailed, uh, much to my chagrin. But there we are. That's where we stand right now. So NBA playoffs officially. The playoffs will officially tip off Saturday and Knicks tip off Sunday. As I mentioned, we got a very special guest coming on. We're going to talk all about the NBA playoffs, specifically the Knicks. We're going to touch on a little bit of the Eastern Conference, a little Western Conference, but wanted to get this out of the way. We're in award season now. NBA season's over. We're in award season. So just to run down, if I had a ballot, which I probably should, being I am a, a rising star in the NBA media, here we go. My MVP, Nikola Jokic. Jokic played all 72 games, Embiid didn't, and that's the difference for me. Both of them were sensational, so I have Nicole Jokic winning, and if I had to fill out a top five, it would be Jokic one, Embiid two, Curry three, Randall four, Giannis Antetokounmpo five. That's my top five in MVP. Uh, defensive player, I have Ben Simmons over Gobert. I know all the advanced metrics. 
talk about Gobert and, and how impactful Gobert is. I am not a Gobert believer. I've been on the record saying I'm not a Gobert believer. I've seen him get absolutely demolished and played off the floor in playoff games. So Ben Simmons, to me, is the most versatile defender in basketball. can guard one through five really, really well. Give me Ben Simmons for Defensive Player of the Year. My Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball. A sensational rookie season for him. Uh, not really a whole lot to add there. Uh, coach of the Year. Your New York Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, should be the Coach of the Year, and he's my pick for the Coach of the Year. And there are a lot of good candidates. Monty Williams did a great job. Eric Spolster did a great job. Mike Malone did a good job. But you can't tell me any other coach, any other coach was going to get the most out of the New York Knicks the way Tom Thibodeau got out of the Knicks. He's coach of the year. My most improved player. We're continuing with this New York Knicks team, Julius Randle. This, to me, is a slam dunk. No one else is really in the conversation. I hated watching Julius Randle all of last year. It was a dreadful experience. It was empty calorie stats. The progress he made as a shooter, as a, specifically a three-point shooter, as a playmaker. Julius Randle has the Knicks that, again, were projected to win 22 and a half wins in Las Vegas before the season started. As I mentioned before, I don't know if you know this, but they're a four seed in the playoffs. 41 wins. Unbelievable. So Julius Randle gets most improved player. And for me, six man, for me, it's Derrick Rose. All right. A lot of people are saying Jordan Clarkson's going to win it. But anybody with a brain who's watched Derrick Rose versus Jordan Clarkson knows that Derrick Rose is the superior player, all right? I know he got kind of a late start with the Knicks, but to me, the games that Derrick Rose played with the New York Knicks outweigh all the stuff that Jordan Clarkson did. So those are my, um, my NBA awards. Again, MVP, Jokic, just to recap. Jokic, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Ben Simmons, Rookie of the Year, LaMelo Ball, Coach of the Year, Tom Thibodeau, most improved Julius Randle, sixth man, Derrick Rose. All right, so uh, all NBA selections. Now, this is going to be hotly contested. The NBA has made – they've done it a little strange because they've made like Joel Embiid a forward, just trying to get the uh, best five guys on the ballot for first team. I get it, but then just do away with the positions. It doesn't make any sense right now what the NBA is doing. They're trying to make it – in between with positions and positionless basketball, either have positions or go full on positionless basketball. So with that being said, my first team, all NBA, Steph Curry and Dame Lillard at the guards. I'm sliding Luca in as a forward, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Nikola Jokic. Second team, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler at guard, Kawhi Leonard, Julius Randle at forward, Joel Embiid at center. Third team, Brad Beal, Paul George at guard, LeBron, even though he don't, missed a bunch of games, Zion Williamson and Rudy Gobert at center. All defense. Let's run down this quickly. Uh, first team, Ben Simmons and Drew Holiday at the guard. Giannis, Draymond Green at the forward, Rudy Gobert at the center. Second team, Jimmy Butler, Matisse Thibel at guard, Mikael Bridges, Bam Adebayo at forward, and Embiid at center. Those are the awards. With that said, uh, kind of a little bit of a short monologue. We have a lot to get into with this episode's guest, a special guest, talking about the Knicks playoffs, previewing the series with the Hawks, uh, a little bit of Eastern Conference and Western Conference. So that's coming up in just a matter of moments. So I teased it a little earlier. I have a very, 
very special guest doing me a huge favor, calling in from uh, overseas, a little bit of a time difference over there in Israel, somebody who I met on Twitter, really an awesome guy, an awesome Twitter follower, Mr. Joshua Halkman, otherwise known as the sports rabbi on Twitter, a great follow. Josh, how's it going, man? How you doing? Doing well. Uh, no complaints. Uh, doing well here, Aaron. Can't, uh, can't say anything's wrong right now in Jerusalem. Of course, we've had some other extracurricular activity in the rest of the country, but I'm staring out. I sit on, I work on my balcony, which is pretty cool, right? So I'm out here from nine in the morning till whenever, and I see beautiful blue skies, trees blossoming. I see some playoffs in the horizon. I see the Knicks this weekend. Could it be any better than that, Aaron? It can't. And we're going we're gonna to stick to all the positive stuff going on on, on this show. So we, I, I ended up following you because uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for uh, Knicks and basketball content on Twitter. And we, uh, we exchanged a couple of tweets and some DMs. And here we are. And uh, you're a native New Yorker. Currently, I don't, I don't know if anybody's really going to see this, but he's rocking uh, some gear. He's all geared out, a little R.J. Barrett jersey. I love the vibe. It's, uh, it's wonderful. So the Knicks season. We went, as I mentioned before on this show, we went from uh, projected to win 22 and a half games in Las Vegas as the over-under to being the force. In all your years as a Knicks fan, where does this season rank to you in terms of enjoyable Knicks seasons, Uh, especially given what the expectations were and where we've been the last eight years? Listen, it uh, it was shocking, right? I mean, I don't think anybody really understood how good a season this was going to be. You have a player like Julius Randle that we knew had a ton of talent, right? I mean, I watched him playing for the Lakers. I watched him playing in New Orleans. You know, you see him around. You know what he, you know what he does. You know what he's good for. Um, I always thought he was going to be a good player. I always thought, I always had trust in him to be a good player. But it's clear that he is not just a good player now, that he is developing into a superstar. Uh, which leads us to why. And if you look at the coaching staff, that's, that's why. Uh, you bring in a guy like Tom Thibodeau, who does wear it as welcome uh, pretty easily in a lot of you know, locales. We've seen it before. But he is a good coach. I mean, the bottom line is Tom Thibodeau was with the Knicks years ago. He saw Jeff Van Gundy coaching. He saw plenty of people. He's worked with guys like Derrick Rose. Um, so you're looking at fun and exciting ranked seasons over the last say, eight years this has got to be it. I mean, I think it's even better than Lynn Sanity because what was Lynn Sanity? Lynn Sanity was, eh, it's a shot in the dark. It was nice. This, that. I think, I think Jeremy Lynn retired today. I think he sent out a retirement uh, post or something today, but it was Happy nice. retirement to Jeremy Lynn. He, yeah. uh, he exceeded expectations. Good for him. He had a great career. You know, I remember, I remember doing some podcasts, you know, around that time, and we talked about, wow, this is amazing. Lynn Sanity is bringing, you know, he's bringing some stuff in. You have Amari Stoudemire. Sometimes you have Carmelo at times. But I don't know. You never felt that it was a team. And I think it really comes from the top. And taking it even a step before Tom Thibodeau, you have to look at what uh, – can we mention Jim Dolan on the show? I don't know if it, let's see. Is he personally Hey, radical? you know what? You know what? Fair is fair. Fair is fair. We've killed him for years. Rightfully so. Is he – Meddling with the Rangers right now? Yes. But uh, that's not even, let's, not even, let's not even get into the Rangers right now, what he decided to do. That's a different subject for a different podcast and a different Correct. day. But at the end of the day, he, he looked at this asset that he had and he said, 
he must have said, you know, I got to get some good guys in here. And he decided to bring in Leon Rose, which was, you know, we've seen that type of move by other teams in the past, bringing in high-powered agents to come and run a team. You bring in World Wide West, which is obviously a, a, a important person. He's like the glue guy. Kind of like the mover and shaker. Yeah, he's the and he's the glue guy. To me, gets all the guys. You know, when you see him on the side and he's high fiving and he's giving hugs and he's you know he's just very positive. Uh, listen, you got to give credit to Jim Dolan. They did a good job. James Dolan, his father would be proud, I guess. I mean, did a good job. And and because of that, and because they allowed those people to work, we were able to get, I believe, a a season uh, where we had some nice surprises from. Obviously, Julius Randle is by far the most improved player, you know, by far. And Kenny Payne deserves a lot of credit for that coming in from Kentucky. Emmanuel quickly has been much better than what we expected. Uh, R.J. Barrett has improved leaps and bounds from what we saw. Not that we didn't think he was a good player or anything. A lot of Twitter people really didn't think R.J. Barrett was very good last year. As a, as a Canadian, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a R.J. Barrett believer. Uh, I... I, I like the guy. I think he's a good player. Remember, he was touted to be much better than even Zion Williamson before their year at Duke. He was mm-hmm. he was supposed to be the number one pick. It wasn't supposed to be Zion. Now, Zion is obviously an earth-shattering, changing uh, player that has come onto this league and is just fabulous. But R.J. Barrett, I always had faith, and he's in the right system to succeed right now. And I think that's the key here. And you bring in Derrick Rose. We all remember his first time with the Knicks, which was an absolute disaster zone, right, Aaron? I mean, yep. I think we. I'm still, I was still. I was skeptical when they brought him in. I was still scarred for from the first time, but they wouldn't be anywhere near the four seed without. And we'll get to him in a second in terms <laughs> yeah, of like, so, in terms of you know, rotation stuff. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, bottom line is, you know, we'll get back to the original question: uh, Where does this rank? This ranks of the best, I believe, of all the eight years by far. I uh, I think it was fun. I think it was exciting. I think it, it reinvigorated many people, especially coming off a COVID year when there was nobody in the arena, then there was a couple thousand. Now you're going to have half the arena or more. You know, those are big things. Fans were looking for something. Fans, fans in New York were starved. I mean, they're starved for success. The Yankees, okay, they've been okay. The Mets is a, is a three-ring circus. The Nets will never no be one cares. Nets. Nobody can. No, no, they no can. They can have the big five, and nobody cares. Correct. Um, the Jets are a disaster zone. Maybe now they'll they'll get it right, and I still have my doubts as a Jets season former Jets season ticket holder. The Giants have not been good. Uh, no, nope. I don't know. If Daniel Jones is going to be a, you know something out there. The Devils don't really exist in the the New York uh, the New York area, and they've been a disaster. I mean, not no. You know, they've been building okay nicely. They have their their fans, but. You know, at the end of the day, the Knicks can own this town. They can own New York City. I lived in New York City when they owned the town. They owned the town in the 90s. Do you know what it was like going to a Knicks game in the 90s? To be at game in, game out as a season ticket holder, seeing the big, bad, bruising Knicks of the 1990s, playing the Bulls and playing every team under the sun that, you know, most teams back then had a superstar. Yeah. And, you know, you wanted to see Minnesota, you're going to get Kevin Garnett, right? So that was, you know, you're going to get Kevin Garnett, you're going to see Minnesota. There was always a superstar. You want to see the, uh, want to see the San Antonio Spurs, well, you're going to get David Robinson, that's superstar. You know, you want to see this team, you want to see that team, you're going to see superstars. New York loved the Knicks because it was always a show. And it didn't matter 
if the Knicks, you know, they had a superstar in Patrick Ewing, they never got that second superstar, but you knew that they were always going to be competitive. They were going to fight. And, you know, you look back at those years, those were, but, you know, to me, those were magical seasons. I love the playoff basketball. I love being in the garden and you're seeing go New York, go New York, go. And the place is rocking with 19,000 people. And it's just an amazing thing to see that every back page of every newspaper, Knicks, 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 Knicks. Knicks. And it started to be like that again. Yeah, a couple of things you said. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the one of my inspirations for starting this podcast and getting into this is obviously Bill Simmons, right? And Bill Simmons has this, this the thing called the Ewing theory, which was total bogus, right? Total bogus. It was garbage. It was Ewing slander. And if you go back and look at uh, Patrick Ewing's career, he never played with a single guy who was going to sniff the Hall of Fame ever in his prime. Not one. Not one remotely close. And the closest nope. he got was they maybe they were in the running for Reggie Miller in the summer of 96. I mean, there was the pipe dream of the yeah, Michael Porter. How's that going to happen? Yeah. So the Ewing slander is ridiculous because he led them to 50 wins every single year and was good for basically 23 and 11 year in and year out. And they were always in the middle. Just wanted to get that off my chest. Secondly, uh, to me, this is the most enjoyable Knicks season since 1999. 1999, I'm, a, I'm around Barnbot Mitzvah year that year. And when they went to the finals, it was improbable. Yeah, they shouldn't have been in eighth seed. It was uh, the lockout year, 50 games. But this is by far the most enjoyable season, even more so than the 2013 season, which I really enjoyed. And I've always been a Carmelo Anthony defender. Um, I, I just think he gets a raw deal. He's uh, a great but player. Yeah, He's a great player. You're a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. <laughs> flawed, flawed, but, but great Hall nonetheless. Player. Yeah. And, uh, but this is, this to me is better than that, just because I went into this year expecting a top five lottery pick. Uh, I, I did bet their season wins over just because I didn't think they were going to win 22 games. I thought, you know, 27, 28, maybe. Um, but this this is in, incredible. And, and it can't be stressed how enjoyable it is, especially because I was the biggest Julius Randle skeptic. I still, I mean, I hated watching him last year with a passion. And maybe it was because the Marcus Morris thing rubbed off on him. And I can't, I can't stand Marcus Morris and couldn't stand watching him. And I still have my guard up a little bit um, with, with Randall that maybe he turns into like Pascal Siakam. But for right now, none of that matters because I'm enjoying this season as much as I have since, uh, since 1999. And it's just awesome. So let's uh, dive into the matchup against the Hawks, right? All right. Um, key matchups for you in this series. Uh, what are you looking for in terms of a matchup perspective, given the Knicks we're 3-0 against the Hawks this year. A couple of guys were in and out of the lineup. Um, but what are the key matchups for you um, in terms of analyzing this series? You know, this the Hawks are a tough team. Uh, don't, make, don't take a look at that 3-0 record against them this year and fool you. They're a, they've gone through two seasons, the Hawks, this year, right? We can agree. They, went, they had two yep. seasons. They had... Lloyd Pierce, Nick Millen, and post Nick McMillan, and then and then Nate McMillan. There you go. So they've had two seasons, and they're a totally different team, in my opinion. Um, so that's number one. They're a much better team than we saw a month ago and two months ago. They are a very dangerous team because they have players 
that can do a lot of damage uh, to the New York Knicks. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. They have players that can hurt the Knicks in certain areas, and the Knicks can. They can uh, try to circumvent that, but they're going to have a tough time. And the first matchup I'm going to go with is Clint Capella. I'm not even going to go to Trey Young yet. Clint Capella is massively a key to this team, okay? Clint Capella, you're looking at a guy that scored 15 points and 14 rebounds a game, right? He damages people inside. It was a brilliant trade when they got him from Houston. Yep. He is a, a terror, and he's going to cause all kinds of problems for the Knicks, not just the big men, but anybody else that goes anywhere near the paint. So where, uh, so he's causing problems on the penetration? Like, where, where do you think he's causing the most problems? Because He's going he's gonna to change shots. First of all, he's going to change shots up. Uh, anybody that drives in, you're going to be met with Clint Capella. Two, he's going to be a problem rebounding. He's going to be strong on both ends of the both ends of the floor, uh, which is going to be a problem for the Knicks. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, we're not going to count on. Taj Gibson no. is not not young, and he's a bruiser and he's a Tom Tebow loyalist. But he's 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 going to put it all out there. We know, but he's not of that ilk. Nerlens has been Nerlens Noel has been great. Okay, there's Revelation. no question. But let's be honest. Nerlens Noel is no Clint Capella. And even though no, no, he's not. Will able, he will be able to cause some problems, but Clint Capella is going to be a, a, a very serious issue for the New York Knicks. Very, very serious issue. More so on the defensive end or the offensive end? Because I'm still, you know, as good as he's been on the offensive end, rolling with, with Trey Young as the pick and roll partner, I, I right. still. I, I still don't fear him, right? And I, I know he's like an all-defense uh, caliber player, but like, I don't know. He he doesn't he doesn't fear me as much as uh, as say like Bogdanovich. If Bogdanovich starts getting hot, okay. So we'll get we'll get to that in a minute, right? I mean, right. Uh, to me, I I I, I am I, I just feel that there's going to be some problems that he is going to create all kinds of problems at both ends of the floor. That's uh, that's to, that's my feeling right off the right off the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go to Bogdanovich for a second now. This guy, if he'd be on Milwaukee right now, Milwaukee would be challenging for the championship. Uh, they'd probably be in the first seed. Uh, the minute that Lloyd Pierce uh, was a bit of dieu, you could see that a player like Bogdanovich also came back from injury, but he really flourished under Nate McMillan. Flourished under Nate McMillan. Uh, the guy was, you know, just spectacular and he can damage. I mean, he's going to cause problems. He will cause problems for them. Uh, on the outside, there's no question. Uh, he's a player that is, is European. He is a big player, a big guard, uh, which is also a big problem. Uh, you know, he's coming in at six foot six, 220 pounds, even a little bit more than that. Uh, he's not going to get pushed around. And he can damage them offensively. He's a, he's a key player. Uh, and I think the Knicks are going to have uh, an issue with them. Now, Reggie Bullock will, I would think, is going to be charged with uh, some of the, uh, you know, some of the, RJ. the time on him. I think RJ's RJ, going to get the most time RJ's going to, yeah, you'd think. I, I, I don't know what Thibodeau's going to do. I, he, he may mix things up a little bit. Uh, I like Bullock. I like him as a defender. He's smart. He's intelligent. Uh, he is a little bit 
of a, you know, obviously a different position, but we have to remember it's positionless basketball these days. Right. Uh, they're both the same height. They're both six, six. So yeah, it, oh, yeah, go it's, ahead. Position, it's positionless basketball. So I think you may see some definitely some interesting defensive schemes that we hadn't thought up about beforehand from team. But oh, and I, I would watch, I'd be, I would watch that. And like you said, RJ Barrett, that's the first instinct you're going to say, oh, RJ Barrett's going to take him. Uh, it could be, it could be. Um, and then you have, of course, you know, a, a shooter in Trey Young who is <laughs> tremendous. Um, and I don't know what their plans are for him because you've got to stop him offensively scoring 25.3 points a game. But you also have to watch out what he can do to orchestrate the offense at 9.4 assists a game. I mean, he's not tall, but he does a lot of damage. Uh, and like you said, that pick and roll is lethal. Um, it, it's going to be a very, very tough matchup. Now, for the Knicks, you're looking at guys that are going to, you know, again, I, I still think that center matchup is something that we're going to have to watch. Uh, we're going to have to seriously watch. Julius Randle, I think, will be able to have a decent series. I'm, uh, I'm not convinced that uh, you know, well, he had Collins a monster regular series against them. I don't see anybody right. on the Hawks who can I, handle. I don't. You know, John Collins is a nice player. Uh, you know, listen, seventeen point six points, seven point four rebounds. Um, he's big. Randle is a much bigger player. Um, you know, you see how big Randall is. You see how imposing he is. He's heavier. He's roughly the same height as him, but he's a physically imposing player. I don't think John Collins is going to really be able to damage him. I think he's going to be able to do as he pleases. To me, this is going to go seven games here. I don't know if we want to get to our prediction, but it's going to well, be We'll get to that in games. a second. It's going to be a bruising, bruising battle here. Uh, and we're going to have to see. It's going to be like a war of attrition to see which guys are going to be able to put up. Uh, who's going to shut up? Uh, it's you know they have some dangerous players, the Hawks, <clears throat> that are going to cause damage uh, all the way around them. I'm not worried about uh, you know, Gallinari. No, really he's our as uh, as Alan Rose once or as uh, the great street poet Jay Z once said. He's all right, but he's not real. I, I've never been a Gallinari mm-hmm. guy. He's just. He's a good player. He's just a guy. Um, for me, the, the interesting thing is, and you mentioned Trey Young, is how they play pick and roll defense um, and how they want to guard Trey Young. Uh, in, in a sense where it is, um, I personally think, and I've been a Trey Young skeptic, I've been a Hawks skeptic this entire season. So uh, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily the, the most rational one talking about the Hawks, but Trey Young for as good of a passer as he is, I, I still find that he sometimes goes stretches without knowing when to just move the ball, right? Like the assist numbers are great, but the ball still tends to stick sometimes. And maybe it hasn't recently because they played Bogdanovich as really the orchestrator of the offense a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But for me, I would want Trey Young to try and go out and just score and get buckets and, and try and shoot because then it takes his team out of the flow a little bit. And, you know, and, and this is his first taste at, at the postseason. I, I would try and make Trey Young the score and let him say and try and get him to play 
like Steph Curry, and no one can really approximate Steph Curry. But Trey, have at it. Do your Steph Curry thing, and and don't let the other guys go nuts. Yeah, no, I, it could be the case because really offensively, who do you have over there? Collins can put up some big numbers, right? Bogdanovich is going to damage you. Trey Young can damage you. But if you can shut down Bogdanovich, you can shut down Collins. And I think you're going to see Julius playing him. Uh, he's going to be able to shut him down. You know, Kevin Hurd is not going to be. Randall's been fantastic on defense this season. Yeah. Another That's revelation. Right. Yeah, so I think you're going to see him play Collins. I think you're going to see that matchup all night. Kevin Herter, nice player, but he, I don't think he's going to be a serious a serious player that's going to damage him. Can Lou Williams provide them with some good quality minutes? DeAndre Hunter, can he provide them with some minutes that will help? Yes. There's well, no when Hunter was healthy, when Hunter was healthy, he was their second best player. When he was healthy in the middle, in the beginning of the year, he was their second best player. Like he was, he was tremendous, but he just hasn't been healthy. Right. And and Lou Williams's numbers traditionally in the playoffs crater because all of his regular season tricks that tricks the officials don't really work in the in the playoffs because they crack down on that, which will also be right. interesting for Trey Young because he does the same kind of garbage in terms of just like all the things that we hated about James Harden and Chris Paul in terms of drawing. In terms of drawing and hunting fouls, Trey Young does it too, and he, you know, gets uh, treat, star treatment for a guy who's been a ten-year veteran, even though he hasn't earned anything. But for me, it'll be interesting who guards Trey Young. We're going to talk about that, you know, now for major concerns uh, with the Knicks is the Alfred Payton minutes, right? It's, oh, the, it's, oh, it's the elephant. <laughs> it's the elephant in the room, right? And and Tibbs has started him all year because he loves his defensive tenacity, even though I think that's a fallacy, right? And they just lose the Alfred Payton minutes all all season. They start down when Payton starts and, and Derrick Rose comes in to clean it up, right? So you would assume, or I should say, you would hope that Tibbs, now that we're in the playoffs, full boat of guys when you have Burks, when you have when you have Rose, when you have um, quickly who can who can play as primary ball handlers. That, and even Frank Milikina, I think, could be key in this series, especially as a defensive specialist on Trey Young, that we're not going to see any more Alfred Payton. That, that's what I hope. Uh, yeah, but I, well, I think you're in for uh, – I think you're in for seeing – Yes, I think you're, you're going to see Alfred Payton start the games. After that, anything is up for grabs, meaning that we saw the last week or so he played him to start the, the first, we saw him to start the third. Now – what will happen in the playoffs? I think you're going to see him start because he feels he's got to start him. I don't know if he's going to have those minutes. Now, where's quickly at this point? How is, how is he recovered? You know, he's got to get back into the groove. He's, he's got to shake get his off back. Right. So that's one issue. Two, he's going to, Tibbs is going to majorly lean on Derrick Rose here. That there's no question. Um, you know, but in the I, Rose I, minutes, so hold uh, on. So in the Rose minutes, who guards Trey? Because you don't want Derrick Rose guarding Trey. Derrick Rose is not guarding Trey. I think it'd be so, it'd be a Reggie Bullock, um, Nilakina, Alec Burks, maybe quickly correct. on him a little bit. Yeah, uh, probably right. I, I take listen. Alec Burks has shot really well the last little bit since he came back from the COVID episode. Um, I think Alec Burks is going to be crucial in this series 
the Knicks are lucky because the Knicks really have a solid group of guys to rely on. And, you know, like you said before, Frank, Frank could get some minutes over there, but I don't know how much Tibbs has faith in Frank. And I think Tibbs is going to go with the guys that he's going to go with. And if he's going to have to go with a short rotation, he's going to go with a short rotation. He's going to play quickly over Frank. That to me is a no brainer. So you talk um, about the short rotation. You actually brought up something uh, interesting because all coaches shorten it to seven, eight guys. Tibbs and the second unit for the Knicks has been, have been killing teams, right? The second unit, he's gone 10, sometimes 11 deep. 11 guys. But so he can go 11 guys Right. So who's the guy, if they go to eight guys, that's going to be left out, that's been playing? I don't think he's going eight guys. <laughs> so you think, think he's going to continue doing 9-10? Uh, yeah, I think, he, I think he's going to still do 9-10 because I don't think he has a choice. I think he needs to really be careful with Derrick Rose's minutes. I think he has to really be super careful. I think he has to be careful with Alec Burke's minutes because, you know, he may still not be back in 100%. Uh, and it needs these guys. And in order to beat a team like the Hawks, who are going to cause the next trouble here, if you can play, if you can get another guy or two out of your rotation, you're going to be fresher at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And that is going to me, in my opinion, going to play a big factor here. It's been a rough year. Even though it's only been a 72-game schedule, everything was condensed. There was no proper training camp. The players got into shape during the season. They're all... I'm sure they all have nagging injuries that we don't know about, that you're not hearing about, uh, that are gonna, they're going to carry in. So if they can play nine or ten guys, which I think they should, I think they should go with the ten men. Listen, oh, Obi Toppin's not going to be playing, right? I mean, he's going to get the spot. He's going to get the spot yeah, Randall spot minutes. Minute, uh, spot minutes. That's that's basically it. Nothing more than that, if that even. Um, and it's the same with Frank may be out of there. So you're looking at you're looking at nine guys. Uh, and he may have to play Frank because he may need those minutes. Because if Elfin Payton is going to be a disaster to start off the game, you're going to have to find another six minutes to play guys. And I remember sitting in a press conference um, with a, an Italian coach by the name of uh, Piagiani, uh, mm-hmm. coach of Paul Jerusalem here in Israel, coach the Italian national team, was uh, one of the great all-time coaches. And I remember we were questioning him about minutes that we felt that X player deserved X minutes. X, this guy deserved even four or five minutes. And he says, you know, four or five minutes is a lot of minutes. He says, you have to understand every minute. And he's, he's not comparing. Of course, we play 40-minute games here, not 48. But still, does every single minute that I have, I can't take a risk with X player. I need to win games. And that minute, two minutes, three minutes, or four minutes counts. So he's not going to be looking to take chances, which means he's going to have to, you know, rely on his players that listen quickly, maybe cold. And he's not he'll going get to get a, he'll get a quick hook. He'll get it right. He'll get a quick hook. And then he will be forced to probably play Frank because he's not going to want to, he may have to overdo it on some of Derek Rose's minutes. Um, but listen, the Atlanta Hawks are a beatable team and it's a long playoffs. It's, it's a long, you have to win, you know, if you want to go deep, right, you got to win four games every series. Yeah. And you know, every game, every series isn't going just four games. It's very so, difficult. Yeah. So I, I just, I don't understand how, I mean, if I was coaching the Knicks, it would be Frank would take the Peyton minutes. Just I take the Peyton minutes and that's it. You, you just can't play him. 
You can't play him. He's not playable. He, he's not good enough on any end of the court to justify playing him. The other thing that, that concerns me is, is two things. One, the Knicks offense sometimes can get a little stale. Sometimes they go way too much ISO Julius at the end of games. Um, and yes. it's unpredictable yes. on the, um, the two-man game with him and Derrick Rose. Uh, I do want to see Derrick Rose really being even more so than Julius, the orchestrator at the end of games, because it's just easier for Rose, given the spacing and the geometry of the floor, to, to handle. Uh, the other thing is, is Barrett. And as great as Barrett's been and the, and the leap that he's made, they're, they're, he ebbs and flows. There's a lot of ebbs and flows with him, even within games. And, and I think for the Knicks to really make some noise in this thing, they need him to be more consistent. And it's going to be interesting to see what Tibbs does with, his, with Barrett's minutes, given the yeah. fact that he can – you know, be super cold in the first half and then turn it on the second half. But what kind of leash is he going to give Barrett in these games? These, I, these are the things I'm looking for. He's going to be giving him a hell of a lot of leash. He's a, on a long, long leash. He is you going to so? RJ. Oh, yes. He is going to. He, he has no choice, in my opinion. I think he has to live with Barrett and die by Barrett. And I think we saw that in one of the recent games, right? where he was ice cold at the start of the game, and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, what happened? He parked him in the corner. It was bang, 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 bang. And listen, what's the highest percentage three-point shot in the world? The corner. It's the corner three, right? RJ Barrett's a pretty good corner three-point shoot, three shooter, right? He's, if you look at how many three-point shots he's taken this year, he is in the you know, top end of the league, and his percentage is great. I mean, so if I know I have that threat, and he really, listen, let's be honest, he can, you can sit in that corner and he can hit that shot. That is crucial. That is key. That is crucial. Uh, and, you know, as a famous coach once said, it's not how you start the games. It's how you finish yeah. the games. And if R.J. Barrett's going to finish it strong, he's, he's not going to uh, – to me, he has a very long leash. He is going absolutely nowhere. Because the way you finish off games is where you win the games. And R.J. Barrett has been crucial for this team, crucial down the stretch. And even if he's cold, he can still do a lot of other things on the court, especially, again, play defense. And that is what Tibbs has been doing. You see Tibbs' teams, they play defense, right? You know, you'll also hear a famous coach is saying, it's easy to teach offense. It's much harder to teach defense. R.J. Barrett knows how to play defense. This team this year knows how to play defense. These guys know what to do. He is R.J. Barrett is going to be playing lots of minutes. I see a very long leash on him. Tibbs is not going to be worried. And I think that will pay off uh, down at some point in this playoff series. I think that will pay off because there is going to be a game. There will be a game that you're going to be sitting there, yank Barrett, yank Barrett, and he's not going to yank Barrett. And he's going to come up big near the end. I, I just, I, I, I hope just, you're, I hope you're right because for the, not just for this season, but for the long-term development of the franchise, like RJ Barrett, you can make a case is the most important Nick in the franchise. So, yeah. you know, especially with Randall's contract situation, whatever, and his age, like RJ is super crucial. What he's going to be is super crucial to the Knicks going forward, not just this year. So I, I hope you're right. I just, you know, coaches sphincters get very tight in the playoffs and, and with young guys. So it'll be interesting to see.
So a uh, quick prediction before we talk about the uh, the rest of the East for a little bit. Um, well, how do you see the, uh, the series playing out? I think it's going to go six, seven games here. I think it's going to be a hard-fought series. I think that, again, Capella is going to do all kinds of problems inside. You're going to see, of course, Trey Young, you know, trying to do as much as he can. Like you said before, Bogdanovich is going to be dangerous. I think that Tibbs, and again, uh, this is where I do believe he is going to be a little bit, uh, <clears throat> a little bit different on defense. I think you're going to see some different things. Uh, and that's why I, you know, kind of went out on a limb over here, uh, you know, saying who may guard who. I think you're going to see some different looks. And that's, that would be right out of Tibbs' playbook. Uh, he is that type of coach. I, I think that we're going to see six, seven games. I think the Knicks are going to win. I think they have just too much, too much uh, drive. They have too much uh, depth. I think that's going to be key, as I spoke about earlier. I think the depth, when you can play nine or ten guys and not worry about it, I think that's going to be key. And I think that they're going to just outlast the, the Hawks uh, down the road, even though the Hawks definitely have probably a little bit better scoring than the Knicks do. Um, you're going to see that they will outlast them and they're going to be the tougher team. And you're going to see some 90s basketball here. I think for both teams, I think you're going to see Atlanta knock around. They are not going to be, they're not going to go down lightly. Uh, but I still think that the Knicks are a stronger team uh, across the board. I think the Knicks win in six. Uh, the, um, the stat that, that I just keep uh, going back to is the Knicks three-point percentage allowed, right? It was like 33% or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was top three in the league. And things tighten up in the playoffs, right? You don't see a lot of 130, 125 no, playoff no, games. No, no. So I think, you know, the old adage is defense wins championships. Uh, I, I know it's not the same as it was in the earlier, in the earlier days, you know, about the 90s because right. of the – the way the game is called, the style of play. Of course. But if you can D up, for especially for a team that has no playoff experience like the Hawks, I mean, we have Rose, Gibson have been in games, like Randall's not a young guy, even though he's never made the playoffs. And I just think, I think the, the Knicks have the best player in the series uh, in Randall. And I think that's going to be the deciding factor. So we're talking, uh, so I'm taking Knicks in six. Um I have a couple more minutes. I wanted to ask you about the rest of the East for a second. Oh, it's fire and, away. And the um and, and the way it worked out. First of all, the way the Bre- and we're in the middle of the playoff seeding, uh, or I should say, in the play-in game as we record. The uh, the Celtics just mm-hmm. took care of business at home last night behind Tatum's fifty piece, which was exceedingly and, impressive. You know, and I'll say this: you see the difference between superstars and stars. Now, Beal's playing on one leg. He's you know yeah. Washington's going nowhere. Russell Westbrook is not a superstar anymore. He's a star. He, we can, he can have as many triple doubles to the cows come home. Bradley Beal is close to a superstar, but he's, again, on one wheel. Jason Tatum is a superstar, and superstars win games. Win I actually games. I actually thought Washington was going to win the game last night. I was, you know I was what? pretty, you know I, was what? pretty I, 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 pick, I picked Washington as well because I didn't – I thought the Beal was going to be – I maybe I hoped I don't know I thought he was going to be a lot, a lot much healthier than we saw him and he just wasn't healthy. You could see he just was not that good. Uh, he was you know he is not in good shape and they're a big problem because after the two of them they have no Denny Avdia to rescue them. <laughs> Shout out uh, to our guy Denny, Israel's yeah. own. Um, but speaking of a high level, 
And the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, number one seed, this couldn't have broken any better for them, right? Depending on who they get in the eight, nine, they're gonna they're gonna smoke both those teams, right? Oh, sure. As much as as much as I love my New York Knicks, um, you know, the Knicks and the Hawks aren't Milwaukee, uh, they're not Brooklyn, and they're not Miami. Um, so to me, Philly's path to the to win the East is so much easier than everybody else's. I, I mean, where do you stand on the rest of the East um, in, in terms of two questions? One, uh, Miami being a live six seed, and are you in the camp that it's uh, the Nets conference to lose? Let's start off with the, uh, the 76ers. To me, they are the perfect team. Um, I, I like what I see. I'm uh, impressed. They have everything you need in a championship winning team. So to me, to say that this is the Nets conference to lose, I don't buy it. I I'm think with that, you. I'm with you, I by think, the way. I think, I think the Celtics are going to absolutely give them fits. They are going to give the Nets all kinds of fits. Um, you know, even without Jalen Brown, they are going really? to cause – Yes, they are going to cause them all kinds of problems. Um, the, and the one thing I'll say is chemistry. The Nets do not have the chemistry of a team uh, that has three superstar players that barely play together all season. And that is something that you cannot discount, especially in the playoffs. These guys did not play with each other. They did not have a training camp together. They, they need a year even look at the Heat. When the Heat had the big three, did they win the championship the first year they had her? What nope. happened? What happened? They didn't win the championship. They didn't. And it takes time to create chemistry. After those big three the Heat, the, the Nets have, what else do they have? They have some nice complimentary players. I mean, I'm not don't, – don't, don't get me wrong. They're a solid team. Uh, they're dangerous. But – I'd be very wary. I think the, I think the Celtics are are going to. They don't play defense well. The Nets. They're going to have all kinds of problems with Jason Tatum. Not that the Wizards played any defense. Um, I I think you're going to see a, a very very tough series for the Nets. Something that they didn't bargain for. Um, if they're coming in thinking they're going to have an easy walk through the park here, they are not going to have a walk through the park with the Boston Celtics. Uh, I don't care with or without Jalen Brown. Oh, see, I, I disagree with you there. I think the Celtics, I know they had an impressive win last night, but I don't, I don't buy it. I mean, they've been, they're, they're just, they're kind of like the Clippers East in a, in a worse way in terms of like the ball doesn't move, it sticks, and they're just not as talented as the Clippers. I, I don't see it. Where I do see the Nets running into problems is Milwaukee. Um, I well, Milwaukee, see, Milwaukee is a very, very big problem for any team. So let's let's get into that series for a second. Milwaukee, Miami, right? Milwaukee makes the Drew Holiday trade, which looks like a great trade. Milwaukee was took some time for them to round into form, but it looks like they've rounded into form and Bud is doing some different things. But they need to exercise some demons after last year, right? And Miami is not your average six seed. So where do you see that that whole thing shaking out? Oh boy, I gotta tell you, I picked 
the Bucks to win this series already. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that the Heat are not as good as advertised. I don't. I think that the Bucks are better in this series. I think that they're going to still have a hell of a time getting out of the conference. Um, Mike Budenholzer's job is on the line. Some of the supporting cast is on the line over here. If they do not get out of really out of the East or into a deep, you know, conference finals, they're going to blow up that team. Um, well, when you say blow it up, who who's going? Well, Mike Budenholzer is gone. Right. That's, that's for sure. And then they're going to have to see what they're going to do. I don't know. I mean, Giannis is going to stay there. They're going to have to try to bring in another player. They may have to, they may have to try to work on moving some parts out. They're going to have John Horse is going to have his uh he's going to have his uh you know job work. He's going to have the work cut out. I don't out know. For- they gave up they gave up a lot of assets in the holiday trade. And it looks like it's going to they pay did. dividends. It will Jerry Holiday is a great player. Great yeah. player. Fantastic player. I spoke to somebody in Milwaukee yesterday. Do they miss Malcolm Brogdon? They miss massively. Well, that that was the thing that hurt them the most, right? Because they there's a sliding door moment with the Hawk. I mean, with the Bucks, where they chose Eric Bledsoe to give him an extension for 17 million a year. That during the middle of the season, which basically led them to let Brogdon walk because they didn't want to go into the luxury tax, and then they decided, oh, Giannis may leave, so now we're going to be in the luxury tax. You know, we're going to try and get in the tax because we don't want him leaving because then we crater. And then they gave up all those assets for Holiday. Now, again, it's late first round picks and, and pick swaps, but Milwaukee's going to be really good. But they could have had all those assets and kept Brogdon, who's a younger player. That that was, that was the real mistake. But, you know, in, in the, to their credit, I should say to their defense, Brogdon did have some injury issues. Now Brogdon's turned out to be pretty durable and he's, and he's good, but like, yeah, that was the sliding door. So yeah, that's, that was a big problem. Now I, I don't, I, I'm not high on the heat at all. I, uh, Interesting. Last, last year's final to me was, I don't want to say it was a fluke, but it's, you're playing in the bubble. It's a totally different atmosphere. There's going to be fans. Jimmy Butler did not play against the Bucks at all this season. He actually barely played against any of the top teams this season. He only played one game out of the top four teams or something like that in the nine games against the top three, um, or top four even, one of the 12, whatever it was. I saw some crazy stat like that. I, I don't trust the Heat. I just don't trust them. I, I'm not convinced. I don't think they're that good. Uh, I think the Bucks are going to easily walk over. I know it sounds crazy. Now I can tell you the people in Milwaukee, they're petrified. Now, if the players come in as petrified as the people in Milwaukee, the Bucks are in trouble. Okay, that's the bottom line. The Bucks have to come in with some swagger. Uh, you know that uh, Jim Butler's going to come in with some swagger, but the Bucks have to come in and they have to basically say, "We are the better team here, and we are going to take care of business quickly and get out of this first round, and then move on to the next." Where, you know, we're going to most probably play the Nets. Uh, if Boston can, I still think Boston's going to give them problems. If Boston can extend them to six games, well, that's good news for anybody playing the Nets next. Um, you know, well, I, I, I think it's going to be a knock them out, drag them out series because Spolstra is a proven commodity. The Heat, when Jimmy Butler play, are a proven commodity. And I, I think Milwaukee is better this year. They do some different things. Um, they, they let Holiday and Middleton orchestrate more of the offense, especially late in games and have Giannis as a screener. I think that's going to help. 
I, I think the Bucks win in seven. Uh, but just to wrap up these for a second, um, mm-hmm. but I definitely think Miami's a very live six seed, and it wouldn't shock me if they went on a little bit of a run. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, so just to wrap up the East, so you think Philly's coming out of the East, correct? I believe Philly's coming out of the East. I think they're the most complete too. team. They're the most complete team. They have the best. They have really arguably the MVP of the season if he would have played maybe eight more games or so in uh, Joel Embiid. They have the best defensive player in the league other than Rudy Gobert, uh, who's a totally different player and you know also plays a different position. Um, they have a great coach. Uh, they have everything. To me, the Philadelphia 76ers have it all. I think Embiid is is a man on a mission this year. I think he's ticked off two years in a row, uh, very ticked off in that Toronto loss, very ticked off last season. Um, I think they're a team with a mission and they're coming out of the East. And, and again, I, I know I'm a little bit of, you know, non-traditional on some of these picks and some of my thoughts here. You, it's, it's been a different season. You ha- and you have to take that into account. This is not a typical 82 game season where players had a month plus to, to have training camp. They didn't work on their bodies over the summer. It's a totally different year. Well, that's and why it was so important to get at it for the Knicks to get out of the playing game and be top top six because you, you get the week off. Um, but I'm with you on Philadelphia. I think they're going to win the East. I, I just a couple of quick questions on the Western Conference, um, which I have pretty strong convictions about the East. The West, I can see going any which way. Um, are you in the camp that if LeBron is playing uh, that by default, that they're the favorites in the West. LeBron James is not healthy. Uh, that is clear. This high ankle sprain is going to be a problem. Um, I don't see the Lakers going very far. I hate to I hate to say it right off the bat. This is an injury that takes time to heal. It is not healed. It's clear. We saw him favoring it in uh, in the last game. Uh, I'm not high on the Lakers whatsoever here. Not at all. Uh, so I, then, so I, then who are you high on? Because that seems to be, you know, as much as I don't like the guy, LeBron is, he kind of has been over the last decade the default, right? Yeah. So, yes. so, so if it's not LeBron, who in the West do you really trust? Because up until the Jamal Murray injury, I was going to say Denver. And I still really like Denver. Because I'm a big Michael Porter Jr. Porter, guy. Great player, Michael. Great. Listen, they that was an amazing trade. Uh, they have the MVP playing for them. They have a great European guard in uh, Faku Compazzo. They are a terrific team. They play defense. They play offense. They're fun. They're they're exciting. They they orchestrate. I mean, just to watch Nikolai Jokic play is is phenomenal. Um, but Jamal Murray, the loss of Jamal Murray is is huge. Uh, again, Michael Porter's done a very nice job, but I'm not convinced they're going to get out of the uh, the West. Uh, I'll tell you who I do like. I like Utah a hell of a lot. I like them a lot. I like really? Them. Make the case. I like them because they're a team. And I think that that's the same thing that we that I see in Philadelphia. I see them as two very similar outfits in the, the fact that they both play excellent team basketball. And I really, really like Utah, Utah, Philadelphia. If they meet in the finals, it's not going to be a ratings bonanza. Uh, People are going to say who, what, where, how, why. And that's fine. The Utah Jazz, 
to me are just, they play great team basketball. Donovan Mitchell is an underrated player. Um, he does not get the credit that he deserves. Jordan Clarkson's been fantastic. Boyan Bogdanovich, excellent. Conley, all-star. Rudy Gobert, superstar. Uh, you know, just Really? To me, Rudy Gobert is a massive game changer. He's going to cause people fit. And Joe Ingles is the sixth man. Who would have ever thought when he played for Maccabi Tel Aviv, he was going to be uh, playing such a key key part. And you have just good team players on that that team. You have you have depth. Royce O'Neal, George Neal, Eric Favors. You have guys on this team. You have guys that are – some guys that are battle-worn, understand what he needs to win. I, I'm really high on them. I'm really, really high. I think they match up nicely against the other teams. I don't buy I don't buy Phoenix. Uh, not a, not that's a Phoenix funny. That's funny. I, I listen, Chris Paul. Would I take him on the Knicks tomorrow? Sign him up, no problem. He's he's there. I think John Drayton's terrific. Devin Booker is a star, superstar in the making. I still think they're. I think Monty Williams did a great job. I think they're a couple of pieces short. I just don't see them being that team. And again. I'm, I'm not high. On, I'm not high on the Lakers, and I'm certainly not high on the Clippers. Um, the Clippers, to me, are not going to go far at all. I, I would not be surprised if Dallas knocks them out in the first round. Uh, really? I, I would not be surprised. I like Dallas. Uh, if Kristaps has his head screwed on, and I know how much Knicks fans love him because he's just one of the all-time great Nick players, of course. But Porzingis, if he's all there, he is going to cause uh, problems for any team playing them. He is a, a fantastic, fantastic player. And we saw him in New York. He's a good player. When he's all there and he's playing, he's great. He, uh, his, his advanced metrics with them have not been good, and he has not been available. I don't know. He, he's I, not the that, guy that uh, – I said they, it's the big if. It's the big if. If he is there, both mentally and physically, if he's there, I, I think they're going to cause the Clippers all kinds of problems. Uh, I don't I know. He, I don't know. Luca Luca plays too much Harden ball for me, and I know that doesn't work in the playoffs. He play he plays yep. too much Harden ball. I am not a believer in the Mavericks. Uh, you see, I'm not such a believer in the Clippers. <laughs> that's well, that, so that so that's so that's the other thing, right? Like the Clippers, it's almost like the default pick, right? Because you look at again, the games aren't played on paper, right? But if you look up and down the roster, you know, if LeBron's not healthy, Kawhi's the best player in the conference when he's right. Because we've seen because we've seen him do it, right? And it's just I want to pick the Clippers, but I I don't know. I, and I'm I'm a skeptic on Utah. I know you just wax poetically about Rudy Gobert, but I find I think Rudy Gobert is like one of the most overrated players in the league. I oh, think boy. that I think he gets. I, I don't. If you're paying Rudy Gobert max money as your second best player, I, I don't. I think you have a a ceiling on on where you're going to go as a team. Uh, I actually like Phoenix more than them for that reason, because Phoenix has two capable shot creators at the end of games and Utah really only has one. And I'm not a Jordan Clarkson guy. I've never been a Jordan Clarkson guy. That's fair. Listen, they have depth. The Suns have depth. Okay. You have 
You call just Bridges, not big, just not Crowder. big depth. They don't right, have they big don't, depth, which is the problem against depth. the Lakers. That that's a problem. That that's they have some depth, but not big depth, and that's going to be a problem for them. They are going to be. Uh, they're going to be. Phoenix is going to be in trouble. I, I just I like Utah. I really like them. I really I think that this is their chance this season. Uh, I'm really high on them. I, you know, and again, I know that I'm picking the guys that finished first place overall here. But the other teams, you know, sometimes they say the standings don't lie. I'm a big believer in that. I, I got to tell you, I really. Well, you'd be in the minority. Honestly, even though they're a one seed, you'd be in the minority. I know. I, I'm a big believer that the stats don't lie. The standings don't lie. What you see is what you are. And Mike Francesa always said that. And I'm a big believer of that. I'm not a big advanced metrics person because I'm still, you know, back in my 90s. I do look at them. Don't get me wrong. I do look at them. I'm not a huge advanced metrics guy. Uh, but again, like I could see if Porzingis is going to play, Brunson, these guys are going to cause problems for the Clippers also. They are going to cause problems. The Tim Hardaway Jr. going to cause problems. They are going to be an issue. Uh, for the Clippers, and I don't trust the Clippers. I just don't trust them, even though they are, you know, they are a decent team. You know, they do have two superstars in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But after that, you're going to rely on Nick Batum, Nick the Brick. I mean, come on. So, so Nick, Nick you know, the Brick. I mean, so you're, so you're picking you. You know, your your choice is Utah in the finals against Philly. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. That's not to say the Knicks can't cause any problems, right? Because we have, of to, be course. Little, we have to be a little homerish here, right? Of course, you know, of course. The Knicks, I respect are, the, Knicks are, the Knicks are going to cause problems to anybody they play. Any, they, they, no team wants to play the Knicks right now. Um, they're fighters. They're, gonna, they're fighters and scrappers. Uh, is that enough to make it out of the East? The answer no. is probably no. No, it's not. Yeah. Even even yeah, the delusional doesn't the, believe that. The answer is no. It's not enough to get them out. They need and they need another star. They need another star. Uh, that's what they have to look for this summer yeah. if they can find one. Um, and you know, I think maybe you go full circle back to the Knicks here. The 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 brilliance of Leon Rose is that they didn't jump on things they didn't do anything stupid they didn't offer a contract to this guy because they had to bring in the best remaining free agent mm-hmm. nothing against, nothing against amari stoudemire but you know who was who was good it was a good nick when he played uh, i like amara he's a good man I'm in touch with amara you know i have I, I have a relationship with him because he played here and he lived in israel he played in israel for so many years but they need to bring in another star they set themselves up to do that and Nick fans, you have a lot to look forward to. I would definitely re-sign Randall at whatever cost it takes. Uh, whatever is going to make him happy, you bring him. I think you're seeing the real Randall. I think you're seeing the potential of what we, we thought we were going to see. But at least I thought I was going to see in Randall when he was drafted way back when. I think that Tibbs is a great coach. Will he wear it as welcome? Yes, at some point he will. But right now, we have to live in the present. And the Knicks are building properly. They're going to have, you know, they'll have some decent draft picks next season. Uh, if they can pull another quickly out of the hat. That would be wonderful. Uh, but, you know, listen, you know, you have to give them credit for not doing anything stupid. And because they didn't do anything stupid, they're in the position, A, that they made the playoffs this year, B, that they've built a team that can contend, and C, they're in position to potentially sign 
a top level free agent if they can, you know, or you may find that disgruntled star, right? Yep, that's you know, that it's the it's the next guy up. That's the next guy. Yeah. If you can find that disgruntled star, that's who you want to bring, Aaron. And, uh, well, to go to go back to my prediction for the West, I, I it's not you, Ty. I, I, re, I reserve to change my I reserve the right to change my mind. But as Jalen Rose says, sometimes you got to put it on wax, and I don't feel good about it. And I do want to pick Denver. A part of me really wants to pick Phoenix, but I think I'm going to pick the Clippers and hold my nose. And okay. uh, it's, it's, it's gross. But to uh, circle back to the Knicks, it, it's nice at this time of the year that we're not talking about the draft. We're not talking about the lottery odds. that we're talking about positive stuff. And Knicks playoff basketball is great. This has been great, Josh. I really appreciate the time. This is wonderful. Enjoy your porch. Enjoy the views. Stay well. And we'll be in touch throughout the playoffs. And Knicks tape, let's get it. Let's go. It's time. Go time. Signing off. Have a good one. Speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Bye. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks again to my special guest, uh, first time guest, and hopefully a recurring guest, Mr. Josh Hoffman, aka the sports rabbi on Twitter, calling from Israel, giving me a whole bunch of time. Really appreciate it from him. One funny thing uh, before I let you go, one funny thing I saw on Twitter. So the Knicks ticket sales go up on Ticketmaster, they sell out in 20 minutes. The Nets have a promo code and a promo video with James Harden featuring James Harden to sell tickets. Just further proof that no one in this city cares about the Brooklyn Nets, that they have to have a video promotion to sell playoff tickets. Embarrassing. The Nets are a second-class citizen. It's all about that Knicks tape. No one gives a shit about the Nets. But anyway, thought that was funny. Needed to mention it. And that's episode 113 for the love of the game. We're in a New York state of mind. Twenties of Buddha and Peter with beepers in the streets. I could reach her about blunts. I teach her and held deep like the words of my breath. I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. I lay puzzle as I backtrack the earlier times. Nothing's equivalent to the New York state of mind. State of mind. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.